By God alone I'm saved from my sin To God alone be glory. Amen. Welcome to the Reformed Refugees Podcast, where we talk about our joys, difficulties, questions, and discoveries that we've had on our journey to living within a Reformed confessional Christian community. As a disclaimer, we are not affiliated with any churches or ministries. We are just two ladies in our kitchen having a conversation. So grab a cup of tea, cup of coffee, and join us. I'm Lydia. And I'm Danielle. And today we have a special guest, our good friend, Regina. Hi, Regina. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming. Um, We brought Regina on today um, because she actually came out of the Amish community and she is now reformed, her and her husband, Dustin. And so we just wanted to talk to her, uh, get her testimony, her life experiences, where she came from, differences in culture, uh, what brought her to a reformed community. And so we're really excited to hear her testimony, the things that she's doing now. And um, yeah, just there's so much there, Regina. (laughs) I'm super excited about it too, because I feel like I haven't heard of any other Amish folks who have come out and then joined specifically a reformed church. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of other Lutherans or Baptists or, you know, charismatic kind of church Mm -hmm. stuff as well. And honestly, we haven't met a lot of ex-Amish people in the reformed community. Um, There have been a few on like some of the reformed pages where they said they have Anabaptist backgrounds, like Mennonite or maybe Mm -hmm. Amish. And there is actually a guy in Oregon that has a YouTube channel and he does use some reformed theology but i don't think he necessarily attends a reformed church so there's a few (laughs) not too many yeah so can you just share with us man i don't even know where to start but uh just a little bit of your testimony um and then i'm sure we'll have specific questions about the amish amish culture and faith and things like that um farther on but you grew up amish yeah Yep. Um, So my husband and I didn't grow up in the same community. We actually grew up four and a half hours away from each other. Um, I grew up in East Central Illinois, and my husband grew up in Northern Indiana. And we met um, during the period of what's commonly known as (laughs) Rumspringa, or just being with the youth. So that started at the age of 16. and we're from the old order Amish, so that's different from the new order Amish. And um, the old order will typically, the young folks are a little more mm, let loose at the age of 16. And sometimes that age varies depending on the community. But um, yeah, we met at 17, um, we started dating. He had friends who had friends in Illinois and he came there for the weekend. Um, I was actually working at a subway <laughs> and he that's the very very first place i saw him was made him a sandwich <laughs> <laughs> feed the patriarchy yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was just gonna say feed the patriarchy <laughs> i've had people say like what'd you put in that sandwich uh, <laughs> some TLC. Have, you ever, have you ever heard of marry me chicken i have it's a recipe <laughs> he made him a marry me sandwich <laughs> must have <laughs> But he, it's funny because like when you're working, you're not like, you know, you're just doing your job. And I knew these guys were from Indiana. I knew they were here for the weekend. Like you just, when you're Amish, you just can pick out 
even though they weren't dressed Amish or whatever because they were in the Rome Springa, um, I knew right away they were guys from Indiana. And he ordered a sandwich we didn't have. And his friend had ordered the same thing right in front of him. And so when he stepped up to order and order the same thing, I just started laughing. So he, like, I right away I remembered him. Um, like, he stood out because of that. Um, and then that night there was a party. And we ran into each other at the party. And he got my number there. And um, we spent some time talking that night. And we, yeah, I just right away was like, this guy... Even if, you know, like nothing happens with this guy. I wasn't really expecting anything to happen with this guy at that point. Um, but it was just, this guy was like, I knew he'd be a friend. He was just a good guy. <laughs> um, and then because it was Memorial Day weekend, the following night there was a party again on Sunday night. And that night we ended up talking for probably four hours. Aww. And... He ended up coming back to Illinois like two weeks later with some friends. And that whole summer, it was just, it's a very sweet summer to think back on and remember because it was like young love. And we didn't start dating until September, but we just spent that whole summer like getting to know each other, talked on the phone, visited a few times. Like I came out here. Um, It was just, yeah, it was just a really sweet time. Um, And then I moved here or moved to Northern Indiana in the following year. So we had been together for about seven months. So I was 18 years old when I moved to Northern Indiana, which I had history in Northern Indiana because my dad grew up in Northern Indiana, married my mom, moved to Illinois. Okay. So my like relatives, I grew up coming to Northern Indiana like every year at least. Um, So yeah, I I had relatives here. I moved in with an aunt. and Dustin and I continued dating, and we were together for six years before we got to marry, got married. Oh, wow. We were six, 17 when we met, and we didn't get married until we were like 23. <laughs> so it's That's quite a, a while. We were engaged that entire... Like, no. How long were you engaged? Um, like almost the last two years before getting married. Wow. Because to plan an Amish wedding, especially in a large community, you have to like schedule the cook wagon and the cooler and the dish wagon and all these things and like that's what determined our wedding date was when it was available wow because <laughs> yeah, you said that you had like a thousand people at your wedding it was crazy our yeah. weddings are like all day the amish weddings are all day long so the ceremony started at 9 a.m mm-hmm. people started showing up at 7 a.m for oh. like cooking oh my. the cooks um <laughs> It's like my grandma. Grandma, the kids' birthday party's at four, and then she shows up at noon. I didn't know if he needed help with anything. (laughs) So, yeah, we went to the ceremony at nine, and then, like, we had people that had part in our wedding. So it's an honor to be, like, a cook or a table waiter. Like, it's work, but it's your friends and your family do that. Oh, that's sweet. Um, So we were at the ceremony, got married around noon, so it's like a three-hour service. Like, did you stand up that whole time? Oh, no. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> I was mad about my 15-minute Lutheran wedding prayer. This guy's taking forever. Three hours? Yeah. It's a three-hour ceremony. Every church service is like three hours. Okay. Wow. So, um, yeah, I was sitting for, unless, until we went up to the pastor to get married, and we stood there for like, that took like, mm, four minutes. So, was it like Maybe. a church service, and they kind of married you at the yeah. end? Yeah. That's how they do it. Wow. But they preach, like, certain passages for a wedding 
on certain songs for a wedding. So, yeah. So to rewind a little bit, when you are in Rumspringa, you have not yet joined the Amish church. That's right. Yep. And so because I know a little more of your story, I'm going to ask some questions. Um, (laughs) Now, I mean, I know, and I'm going to let you share this, but I know that there were like some hesitations on your part, Mm -hmm. right? Is Mm -hmm. this okay to ask? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) She said nothing was off limits, so, but I'm just making sure I didn't hit an off limit thing she forgot about. Um, And so because you hadn't joined the church yet, you guys were free to live like what you would call English people. Mm -hmm. You were still living with family, but you weren't shunned or anything for that because Mm -hmm. you, you can be in Rumspring, Rumspringa. Mm -hmm. I want to call it Rumspringer, but (laughs) Rumspringa until you join the church. So you Uh can be like indefinitely really, but if you want to get married, Mm -hmm. I'll let you go into that. Okay, so yeah, if you're not a member of the Amish church, you're not held to the church rules. So obviously you're like, if you're raised Amish, your parents are members and they're going to be accountable for holding their children within the church like rules until they reach that um, period where they join the youth. And disclaimer here, because there are so many different communities and different communities do things so differently. So one community, they might join the youth at 15 and one, it might not be until 17. And if my memory serves me correct, I think some communities, you're not even the very like stricter communities, you're not allowed to join the youth until you become a church member. What? Like the super more strict ones. Mm -hmm. So that they, that's like their safety. Of They've got like, you like roped in yeah, already. Because mm-hmm. you already have to abide by the church rules when you join the youth so that you're not going to be like partying. and. So yeah, that stuff. was my question. If if at that, and I know we don't have to go deep into this because it's not a part of your background, but so would they not be allowed to dress in English clothes? No. And So like what's the perk then of joining, quote, I'm using quotes on my fingers, just joining to, the youth? Just to have like fellowship with your friends. Basically. So you're pretty much, if you don't do that in those communities, it's like you don't get to hang out with... Most, mostly. Like, wow. um, I mean, you have a job maybe, or you work home on the farm. Like, this is a very much more strict community than where right. we, so, we like, have So, like, you're always... You're, you're not allowed to experience English culture If in Only those if you would, like, literally leave your family's home. Like, you'd get kicked out. So, but then you wouldn't be actually in the church. Yeah, no. So when you're saying join the youth, is this sort of like joining the dating scene? Mm, Kind of. You'd be allowed to date as soon as you're like with the youth. Because this is like singings and get togethers. That's the stricter. Okay. Or, and and there are, it's so, there's so many layers. And I feel like people that don't grow up in it get Mm -hmm. so confused by it because they're like, Mm -hmm. I thought it was this way. I'm like, that is right in this instant, but it's it's yeah. yeah there's what does rumspringa mean in English? Literally, run around. <laughs> <laughs> As the translation is run around. The English also have a period. <laughs> <laughs> or they do. Or they run around. Okay. So just speaking. So that's. I just want to put that disclaimer out there because. Some people may listen that have Amish friends and they're like, no, that's not how it was like or that's not what they told me And that may be true, Mm -hmm. but this is just how it was where I was from and my husband Um, Our communities had a lot of similarities. There were some differences, but a lot of similarities Um, So we 
as soon as we be- turned 16, we were allowed to, um, I mean, that also kind of depended on per family because my parents were a lot stricter than my husband's family. So I wasn't allowed to just walk out of the house when I turned 16 in jeans and my hair styled and like, mm-hmm. I had to hide my English clothes. I had to wear them under my dress and wouldn't take my dress off until we were like down the road with like friends. Sometimes they didn't even allow me to leave with friends. I snuck out. <laughs> oh, okay. But my husband's family was never that strict with their teenagers. They're, um, they were more like, well, they knew they, knew they were going to do it. So mm-hmm. like my parents probably knew. I, I don't know. They just expected me to obey, but I didn't. Right. So I, I don't know. And so um, at what point? back to I mean that was so much good information and I love that you're like every community is different and so um distinguishing between you know this is how I was but it might not have been how somebody else was in order to get married though Mm -hmm. you had to join the church yeah if you wanted to get married Amish they wouldn't marry you unless you were a church member both of you and so what did that look like for you and Dustin particularly okay so when we were dating so I moved to northern Indiana when I was like 18 and a half that summer my whole family in illinois left the amish my parents siblings and became mennonite oh girl i have a shocked face i'm sorry <laughs> it's a podcast I'm just... i guess i thought i i thought you knew that part no of the story. but you know how mad i would be like <laughs> no get this i was 12 years old when i told my mom i don't want to be amish yeah and she was like oh well, at that point, they had no thoughts of leaving the Amish. So she was like, oh, what if you meet a boy and you fall in love and mm-hmm. he wants to be Amish? Then what do you do? And I was like, send him packing. <laughs> <laughs> My mom's words were so true. They came so true because they. I didn't want to be Amish. I, I did not. I. My reasons were I knew... Because my parents were a little bit more open-minded, so um, it was (laughs) looked down upon to be involved in Bible studies and stuff, but my parents did that when I was growing up. So I was aware of more things, I feel like, than a lot of uh, my peers in the sense of I knew that we don't have to be Amish to be saved. I knew that these rules are not part of saving me. And so I was just like, "If if I don't have to do this, like... What's the point? Why am yeah. I bound by this law? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I was pretty early on. I was like, I don't want to do it. Like, it mm-hmm. makes no sense. Yeah. Well, um, and when I started Rome Springer, I actually even told my mom, like, I would kind of like to go, like, start attending this Mennonite church. Like, what's the point of even doing Rome Springer if I don't even want to be Amish? And she really, like, frowned upon that. And I was like, well, whatever. I'll wait till I'm older. And... Um, Yeah, in the meantime, I met Dustin. So we met, and it was pretty early in our relationship. Like, we had the conversation about, you know, do you want to be Amish or not? And I was like, no, I I don't. Mm -hmm. Or I don't think I want to. And this went on, and then my parents left. My family left. And that caused a lot of conflict in our relationship because I had no problem with what my parents were doing. Mm -hmm. Him and his family, like... They saw that as a problem. Like, yeah. I became dangerous in, in the eyes of, like, his parents because I could lead him out, you know. Regina yeah. got the scarlet letter. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But your parents were more conservative and his were more liberal when it came to Rumspringa. Yes. Then, okay. But if, when it comes down to it, it was coming from a godly perspective or mm-hmm. more so. Okay. Because they saw the dangers in the Rumspringa and that's why they were trying to hold me back. I see. The okay. sin. They saw the sin that's involved with that. Okay. Um, and it's not that his parents didn't see that. It, it was just they knew that their children would anyway. They'd just be more rebellious. Mm-hmm. And then um, now the, his parents probably knew more of what he was actually doing. So yeah. it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so did Dustin want to be Amish? He did. And The conflict is coming. <laughs> so it was literally two years of dating that I didn't give him a definite answer. Like, I would be Amish. Like... And that's just crazy to me. It's now looking back, it's such a God thing. Because what guy goes out with this girl for years without knowing that, like, your goals, like, you have the same goals. Mm-hmm. Um, he um, had, the guy who had the best sandwich of his life. <laughs> <laughs> One that wasn't even on the menu. <laughs> it was just, the patience he had was a God thing. Because I don't know many men that would just, like just you know keep going out with this girl and you don't have the same goals like yeah Mm -hmm. anyway so it came down to we kept dating um i ended up getting an apartment then um after a while and he didn't um this is not even important but he didn't technically live with me but we were together all the time and i just knew like if we would part ways it would just be it would just be crushing i mean we were together all the time and yeah because you guys really seem really in tune with each other i mean you know most married couples are but i mean the two of you really do seem particularly close so i feel like yeah coming coming through some of those things just definitely pulled us together for sure Mm -hmm. um so it came to the point where i think we were like 21 or something like that we had a conversation and I told him like I'm just I'm just tired of like this. Like mm-hmm. there wasn't any commitment as far as marriage goes. Um, we were 21, so at that point we were doing more of like the bar scene, and we were doing a lot of like going to concerts, going to like NFL games, like major league baseball games. Like he's really into sports, so we were doing a lot of that kind of thing. We weren't hanging out with a lot of like Amish. Uh, youth our age because a lot of them had already joined church and were getting married a lot Mm -hmm. of our friends were doing that so we were just kind of doing our own thing um yeah and I just told him like I'm just tired like I'm ready for a change I wanted to go to a church like that's what I wanted to do I was just going to ask you where are you guys going to church out on Sundays in between this you just don't go we just didn't go unless it was like a friend's baptism or church was at my like in-laws house then they expected us to show up but we would come late leave right after i mean it wasn't we just showed up to say you showed up yeah basically Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then if our friends got baptized to like support them um and by being baptized you are now automatically a member of the amish church Mm -hmm. so yeah he just it came down to him saying okay like he drew a hard line saying well i know i want to be amish and if that's not what you want, then there's no point in continuing this. And I remember so clearly that night, like I felt like throwing up. Like I remember like mm. leaving the room and just like, I was just like, this is what my life is going to look like if I join the Amish church and get married. I don't know what it's going to look like if I don't. It was just, 
I don't know. It was just such a conflict. I felt there was so much anxiety. But um, I finally went back into the room where he was, and I was like, I'll do it. Mm -hmm. I'll do it. I'll join church with you. And he kind of questioned me on it. You know, is it just for me? I was like, nope. Yeah, I'm just like, doing it. I was like, clearly it's for you. It's like, I want to marry you, but the only way I can marry you is if I join the Amish church. And it's just like, okay, double down, let's go. So I guess my question to you then is what kind of woman is willing to give up electricity and cell phones and internet for a okay. man? Like the same way you were like, what kind of guy waits? What kind of, you know? And, and also, for listeners that might not understand this, like, at this point, you know, I had lived in an apartment for several years at that point. I had my own car. Whenever I dressed in Amish clothes to work, because a girl is expected to dress in an Amish, like, in an Amish dress, and, like, I wore, like, a bandana, because I worked in a factory. Um, when you stop dressing in Amish clothes for work, that is you making your statement as a girl that you aren't going to be Amish. Okay. And I had never like really made that final decision. So I had always continued to dress Amish for work and for family events. But that's the only time I dressed Amish. Otherwise, I was wearing just what anybody else you see on the street wears. And my hair, you know, styled, whatever. And I had my own car and, you know, cell phone. I mean, it's just, I was just a typical worldly um, teenage, early 20s yeah. girl. So my, it was really going to be a huge change to give up my phone, my car, um, all that. Yeah. So, yeah, we started joining church and the whole time, like every, every Sunday. So like the Amish church, like each district has, so it's like each community is divided into districts and then each district has services every two weeks. Because then on your off Sunday, you can go visit other districts or when family members have church at their house or whatever. So between this two weeks, and we had to meet with the pastors or the ministers of that district. It was during the church service. They would like, during the singing, they would leave the room and then we would go with them. And they'd have this whole like ritual, like, um, ritual's not a good word for it, um, just kind of a program they would go through and talk about. And then we had questions we had to answer during that mm-hmm. time. Um, and we did this nine times, I believe, before the baptism. So, mm-hmm. like, it's like 18 weeks or something like that. Wow. Um, so, but every time during these two weeks, I'd, like, be at home and I'd just be like, I don't want to do this. Just stop. Just stop. Just break up with them. Just stop. And then, like, every Sunday would come and I'd just be like, nope, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was such a war within me for sure. Um, and I was reading my Bible at that point. Um, there wasn't much understanding. Actually, when we had, I had given him the answer that I would join church. Like I remember coming home from work one day. I was like, well, we're going to join church. And we're going to be Amish. I'm going to start reading my Bible because, you know, mm-hmm. it just seemed like the thing to do. There was no understanding at all, but mm-hmm. I wanted to understand, I guess. I wanted to, I just, I just wanted to understand, like, the church and why this would even be a good idea and all that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we got baptized then, and from that point on, we were members of the church, so we were held to the rules. Um, and then 
Uh, I don't know. Any questions? The, from so there. you had to like get rid of your car, get rid of all of your mm-hmm. English clothes, and yep. like before you were even married. Once you got baptized, you were you were Amish. Yeah, we had by the third meeting with the ministers, we had to be within the church rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for them to continue. Um, and you guys had already like. Correct me if I'm wrong. Like at this point, you guys had already bought a house. Oh yeah, that, that you were living in. Well. Um, no, we actually didn't buy our house until after our baptism. So we got okay. baptized in like February and it was like that July that we then bought our house together. Um, so because my family, my family actually in this meantime ended up moving to Northern Indiana. So they were close by now and that was great. Um, but it also caused conflict because they're Mennonite. Because they're Mennonite. And so do you have to, at this point then, are you avoiding your family because they're Mennonite and they've left the Amish church? No. It doesn't work that way. Um, we'll but, get into more of that I, when I explain okay. about the church, if, if that's okay. Yeah, no, that's fine. I'm just trying to put all this yeah. together. <laughs> so did you, were you finished? Sorry. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, so it did cause conflict because, like I said earlier, like I had no problem with what my parents, my siblings were doing, like being men. I had no problem with that. And us joining church, there would be people, like Amish people, come up to me and be like, tell them, telling me how proud they are of me for like standing strong and like all these things. Yeah. And, it, and it was like they wanted me to like be turned against my family, and they didn't understand when I would say, like, we're still on good terms, we're still close. Um, In fact, my relationship with my parents had um, improved a lot through the years. And they just didn't understand, like, how could that be? Mm -hmm. You're like, I want to be Mennonite. Yeah, it's like, (laughs) (laughs) really? I like visiting over there. (laughs) Air conditioning, I don't know. (laughs) But because of them being Mennonite, I didn't live with them when we joined the church. I just knew that it would just cause a lot of eyebrows to raise. And even my in-laws probably wouldn't have been very fond of it. Um, But also it didn't make sense because I wasn't driving anymore. So there was a place, there was an older couple that offered me um, to live with them. They were empty nesters. And they became like family to us. Like they were like my adopted like Amish family. Mm -hmm. And... Um, but they lived close to my job. And since I was giving up my, like it was, I had an SUV since I was giving up that I needed to be able to get to work pretty easily. So I was able to bike. Okay. <laughs> so it just made sense to move in with them. And I lived with them for like one year and then we, um, bought our house together. And in the meantime, my sister got married and all that, but it was just, it was a very busy time. So I waited a little bit after we bought it to like actually move in. And it was a big house. It was like a four bedroom, like um, kind of, kind of like farmhouse type property. It was like eight acres and I was living there all by myself. And yeah, it was a little scary in the beginning, but it was like, it doesn't make sense to be paying rent to someone Mm -hmm. when Mm -hmm. we own a house, so. Yeah, I moved in and I lived there until we got, I mean, then we got married. And then after we got married, my husband obviously moved in as well. And we kept working on the property because we didn't have a barn or fencing. And you had to. Yeah. Like, I know you'll probably go into this later, but it was expected of you to have a big enough space to host church and things like that, right? Yeah. 
Yep. Um, so we had to have property for a horse in a barn. And we didn't have space. So the Amish take church at their homes. They have like a schedule. Um, and usually, depending on your district size, but usually it comes around to your house at least once a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and we didn't have a big enough like garage or anything for it to host. So we had, we would borrow, like the Amish had their whole like own like rental system or whatever. So we were able to borrow a big tent and we, there's a bench wagon that travels around from place to place where they have all the benches, all the dishes for lunch, just all of the song books, all that stuff. Um, so we set up all the benches in the big tent in the backyard and that's where we hosted church when it was our turn. Um, I figured maybe talking a little bit about how church is set up would kind of tie things together. Sure. Um, so the Amish speak a... So our everyday language is called Pennsylvania Dutch. Most people call it Dutch, but it's not the actual technical <laughs> way to say it. But it's a German dialect. Um, I haven't done a lot of research on this, so I'm not positive. But I've heard that there's a part of Germany that actually speaks this dialect. So don't know if I can pinpoint that down to be true, but I've heard that. Um, so in our everyday, like, so we're bilingual from day one, pretty much. Well, I guess not day one, because a lot of a lot of kids uh, grew up only speaking Pennsylvania Dutch from like one to like maybe five. And then once they start going to school, they learn English. My family, we grew up hearing English all the time because my dad had a lawn furniture business. So we were like around, you know, English customers all the time. So we just heard it English all the time. My husband's family is kind of the same way, but for a different reason. His mom is actually deaf. Oh. So she isn't able to speak the uh, Pennsylvania dialect. Um, She can only speak English. And she reads lips very well. So that's how she communicates. And she can speak very well for... I mean, you can understand her very well for someone that's deaf. So they grew up also speaking English right away just because mm-hmm. they spoke English to mom mm-hmm. and then if mom wasn't around they spoke the Pennsylvania Dutch so mm-hmm. yeah um uh where was I going with that <laughs> so the church service is in German so that's what that's what I was trying to say um so the everyday language is the Pennsylvania Dutch but in germ the church services are in German which is not something you guys so, are taught. No, we are not taught. Well, because I went to an Amish uh, private school. My husband went to a public school. He wasn't taught German. I was. I was taught how to read it, but not how to like understand it. So like, I could go to Germany, and I can read the road signs, but do I know what it says? No. Mm. I mean, I could maybe figure it out with some so time. So you can, you can say it. like you, yeah. you can read it out loud, yeah. but you don't know what the words are. Yeah. And okay. there are some words, you know, obviously after mm-hmm. you hear them often enough, you, you know what they are, key phrases or whatever. But it is not a language that's used, like, except for church. Mm-hmm. And so most of the preaching... In my area where I come from in Illinois, most of the preaching was in German. So I didn't understand a lot as a child what was being preached. What's the rationale for that? Tradition. Okay. Because that's how our forefathers did it. 
Okay. That's the answer for a lot of things. Well, that's kind of what happened with the Catholic Church, though, it's too, right? like exactly the same, really. Yeah. It's crazy. But right. I don't want to ruffle any feathers, but I think sometimes, too, for those of us who grew up with KJV, and there are churches that are still holding on to it dearly, like they're KJV only, yeah. mm-hmm. I know what they're saying. My kids have no idea. Mm-hmm. So I can also kind of see where this is also happening mm-hmm. in some of the American churches where they're trying so hard to hold on to this mm-hmm. KJVO stance that it's creating this language barrier where mm-hmm. it's turning into the, the same kind of barrier the Catholic Church has. Right. And correct me if I'm wrong, the preachers are drawn by lot, right? Yes. So how... How do they have to go learn German to yeah. preach? It's yes, so many. <laughs> Can I, I did, do they <laughs> are they just like mining their business, like plowing their field one day, and yeah. they're like, "Hey, Elmer, they you got chosen. your number. No. Then you're going to come to the... okay. No, it's nothing like that. Because they volunteer and then they get chosen. No, no. no. <laughs> So. Tell us how it works, Regina. <laughs> oh man, are you ready for this? I know it's a side thing, but I think it's important because they're being made to learn a new language. They are after they've been forced to be. The I can't preacher. even handle somebody showing up to my house unannounced. I can't. <laughs> you can't even imagine like being made to be a minister without yeah, without yeah. volunteering, even having a desire. Yeah. Anyway, so um, yeah, I've heard of many, many, many. Amish uh, men that have become ministers and they have had to learn how to read German because they didn't know how to before. Mm-hmm. If they, like, say Dustin, like, if it would have happened to him, like, because he was raised going to public school, so they didn't teach German. Um, it was like all of a sudden this was thrown at you. And so, just a little side note here in Northern Indiana, where we lived, most of the sermon was still in Pennsylvania Dutch, like, because it was natural for them to speak that way. That's how they mostly preached. But the singing, the prayers, and the scripture reading was all in German. So those three things were not understood for the most part. That makes a ton of sense, actually. But the actual preaching part, we were able to understand most of it. But where I grew up, they prided themselves on like using all German Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, we, we didn't understand as much. So this is interesting because, like, you know, Ryan and I are learning German. Oh, yeah. Been on it for a while. And my grandma was Amish. Mm-hmm. And she can't understand because it's a different kind of German. Yes. It, she calls it high German. But all of the songs that she taught me when I was little. Mm-hmm are in German. Mm-hmm. So this makes a ton more sense. I'm like, what do you mean you can't understand like, it? I didn't know what I was singing. I'm just not <laughs> like she Like, yeah, she's got these songs. And I remember growing up hearing them because she would sing them to us and, mm-hmm. I, and I have them in my head. And I'm like, but grandma, this is German. Like, this is, mm-hmm. you know, no. <laughs> I don't think right. So. so that makes a lot of sense because they're singing this stuff in German. Right. Okay. But at the same time, I don't know. Um, you know, just like the English language has changed so much. It does, yeah. So it might... That might have a little bit to do with it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe if I would go to Germany and I'd like be reading stuff, they'd be like, uh, that's not how we pronounce things yeah. now type thing. Because I might do it like old style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't well, I mean, know I how learned, accurate it is. I learned formal Spanish. I took four years of Spanish. But I worked at in my earlier years as a bartender at a Mexican restaurant. Mm-hmm. And they were from Mexico. And there was a language barrier yeah. because I spoke formal like oh. Colombian or whatever mm-hmm. they would call it Spanish and they spoke more like of a slang kind of mm-hmm. like American mm-hmm. 
And so we had to kind of mm-hmm. like teach British each other. and American English is very yeah. different. Right. Have you seen language trees either of you before? And how these no. things kind of like branch off. And so, you know, you might have like 15 groups that were originally speaking German, but because they went to different places, now they've all got their different languages. Mm. So like Pennsylvania Dutch is its own thing now because that's how language like moves and migrates. Right. And I think it's fascinating. So, yeah, it makes right. sense. So, yeah, I don't I don't know if my what I know how to read is completely accurate, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. It might be old style. Who knows? Um, so the how they become ministers so you have to be married um and then and okay so they do it at communion at the communion service okay i'll just talk on which is twice a year right yes twice a year every six months and so like I'll a, back up a little long. bit to, my face is frozen <laughs> i'll back up a little bit to the the service two weeks before communion because then it'll kind of tie in together okay. better so two weeks before communion so every spring and fall they have what's called like council meeting church mm-hmm. and this church service lasts five to six hours mm-hmm. and at that service um, it's just like a regular church service in the morning and then like a couple rows at a time like go out and eat lunch and come back so the service just keeps going the whole time but you do get a, like a lunch break. <laughs> um, and then usually around one o'clock or so on average, depends on who's preaching, <laughs> they have anybody that's not a member, so mostly the children, leave the room or um, sometimes they'll have like family members come and pick them up and just take them home or whatever. So then at that point, they go over all the church rules. And... Yeah, they literally go over all the church rules. And that can be anything from, uh, I don't know. The size of your blade on your mower? Yes, yes. That was a church rule when we got <laughs> married. Uh, we had a massive yard. It was just the hus- my husband and I. And we weren't allowed to have, I don't even remember the size. But it was like we were only allowed to have small mowers. Like walk-behind mowers, mind you. Uh-huh. So we spent a lot For of time of mowing that first summer we were married. <laughs> Girl, I would have bought a bunch of goats and called it good enough. So, here you go. <laughs> we're goat farmers now, babe. Like That's what we're doing. So, like, anything from, like, the size of your mower. I mean, that rule did change the following year. Praise God. (laughs) (laughs) Um, To, like, our, okay, I'm just going to say this is a disclaimer as well. Our bishop was extra strict for our community. He even made mention of, like, not brushing your horse every time you leave because that's prideful. Oh, okay. Well, it seems like more comfortable for the horse to get mud off of their body before you put the harness on, but okay. Mm-hmm. And to live in white houses, because if your houses aren't white and the world drives by, there's no Christian living there. Like, just mm. crazy things. Well, and wasn't there a woman who had, like, a red dining room and she hosted church or something? And yeah. It was he made her change the color of her dining a room? A distant relative of my husband, um, they had a red dining room and they had church services at their house so you know people saw it and they got told to repaint that living room so they did yeah yeah otherwise you know get in trouble with the church it's just it is so workspace it is so so workspace um okay so two weeks before communion <laughs> they're telling you all the rules yeah, again at, and and then then these guys are at like, the end of that service you have a speech that you have to have memorized 
and it's basically saying that you will uphold all these rules you support it all like I could probably still say it I don't know um, it's like this like I don't know paragraph of German like whatever mm-hmm. little speech and if you don't say the speech you can't take communion okay and if you don't take communion twice you're excommunicated oh like in your whole life no I mean just until you basically repent oh like if you don't take it twice in a row yeah twice in a row so if for some reason for health reasons you can't be at the council meeting church which you better be like on your deathbed not to be Mm -hmm. there um then one of the ministers you can like go to their house and tell them the speech okay so that you can participate in communion Mm -hmm. so then two weeks later um as long as there's no trouble in the church because if there's church trouble they don't have communion Mm-hmm. But as long as there's no trouble in the church, you then have communion. That service is more like seven hours long. And if you're if you're like ordaining a minister, it's like nine hours. No joke. Mm-hmm. When we, the district I was in, when we made a bishop. So every district has a deacon, two ministers, and a bishop. The bishop is like over it all. Mm-hmm. And then his ministers are his helpers. And the deacon takes care of the money. Um, so, like, the tithing and just, you know, if there's a need in the church, like, they just oversee that. So, our church had, it had gotten large, like, before we got married. So, they divided it to, like, because you have to have a smaller group, like, around 25 to 38-ish families mm-hmm. so that it's, you know, a manageable size to host at people's homes. So, um, yeah, we church started like normal and took your lunch break, came back, and then you did communion. And they do feet washing, like literal feet washing. Mm-hmm. And so that's, at first it's the bread and the wine, and then they have a, like, scripture and stuff they, they read and then you do the feet washing. And then after that, if you're making, we say making preacher, but ordaining preacher or bishop or deacon, whatever, it's all the same. Then all the church people or all the members will vote. And I think it's, it varies, I think, but it's like two, if you have two, if somebody has more than two votes, you're automatically added to the lot. So your name gets put into like a, I don't know, on a paper or whatever. So people just... And then there, from they pick songbooks and put a paper in a songbook for however many people are in the lot. And I mean, only two votes. There can be a large amount of men. But I missed something though. Is it okay. they put the church members go through and suggest people? They vote, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like so. And okay, so when do these men who are being suggested? When do they like agree to any of this? Or they you don't. don't. You don't. Okay. Just want to make when sure you, I'm hitting it. Okay. When you, when it's you, against their will. <laughs> when you become baptized in the Amish church and... You're up for grabs. And you're married, then you know that that's a risk. <laughs> that's a risk. And huh? they don't want it. It's I not wouldn't. a wanted thing. I, I don't... I never saw anybody like... Man, I hope I may get made preacher, you know, on Sunday. It was always like, like measure people's lawnmower blades. That sounds like a terrible. <laughs> That's the bishop, right? Or does the the minister have to do that? I mean, it's they get, kind of together. Like side note, do they get paid for that? No. So you're doing all of your work in your own home, farming your land. If you have an outside job, 
And you're expected to keep in line and care for the quote-unquote flock yep. and preach every Sunday. Even well, not every Sunday. Sunday. Every other, because there's two. Well, not even that, because there's, so there's um, two ministers. The deacon doesn't preach. The deacon reads scripture, but he doesn't preach. And then the two ministers and the bishop all take turns preaching. So there's only going to be two two people preaching per two weeks. Okay. So, But so you're you doing do at least a twice a month. Yeah. So but you do you get have to break. prepare it. Oh yeah, yep. Okay, and you're not okay. All right. So at that point, they will then like the ministers leave the room. Like they take the vote. Like you walk, you file through and give them the vote, and then they put the paper in the books, and then they go to the front of the room, and you see when they walk in how big the stack of books is, and it's like it's so tense. It's like yeah, everybody's just so nerved up. And they come back to the room, set the books down, and then they read off the list of men that have been voted for that have two, more than two votes. And then by age, which the Amish do everything by age, if you ever go to an Amish gathering, it's everything is mm-hmm. get in line to eat by age, sit by age. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's I think that stems from like because church is at um, so many different homes. If you don't have a system like that, it's just like chaos. Like who's gonna go and sit down, or how are you yeah. gonna sit down? You just oh, you just go by age, so everybody just knows how to yeah do it or whatever. So by age, they go up and they get a book, and then they all sit down. They don't open the book, and then the bishop, that's either the caretaker of that church or of that is the bishop in that church. It depends on if they're making bishop. So in our situation, it was they were ordaining a bishop so then he went down the line of people or men pulled the book from his hand opened it and so it was just like constant like (sighs) like it was just so so tense okay so he gets to the guy has the paper and everybody just like or like him and his wife just like erupt in sobs (laughs) no joke (laughs) because this is like such a burden and I don't know. I'd be leaving the church. <laughs> like it, and again, it breaks my heart, too, because I remember when we first joined a church as adults, my husband and I, I remember there were some instances where I'd come across pastors' wives who just hated their their Whoa, lot in life. Yeah. Like, this was just the worst thing that could have happened to them. And that always broke my heart because I felt like, you should want to do yeah well and if you're shepherding a flock like Mm -hmm. if you don't want to be doing it what's the health of of your church going to look like if this is against your will it's going to turn into you measuring lawnmower blades yeah (laughs) (laughs) well if you don't like this then you know what we're going down an inch this year (laughs) you shouldn't have voted for me how about that Yeah. (laughs) So I can understand that in this sense, though, that they're crying because they they don't have an option. No. There's no out. I mean, death is your out. That's how you aren't a pastor anymore. Wait, what? You are a minister and... Until you're gone. Yeah. Wow. Mm. So Dustin escaped that. (laughs) That was great. Did he he have to go up there with a hymn book? Uh, No. So we only made bishop um, while we were there. And so bishop, okay, I, I guess I didn't clarify that, but to become a bishop, you have to be a minister for at least two years. So because this was a new church district, they were trying to get their like um, uh, elders or whatever established. So they had three ministers, and then they, they had another bishop taking care of that district for two years. 
once that two-year mark hit and then they made and we had gotten married like right before that then they made bishop from those three ministers so you only sat through a bishop being yes so we didn't actually have to experience the just deacon or minister because that can be any of the church like Mm. men yeah so that's yeah we didn't we didn't have to experience that but i do remember um he he became bishop and it was he was really young our church district was actually really young our where we lived was kind of on the edge of the amish community um land within a large amish community is extremely expensive because they pay for location because you either pay for location or you pay to hire a driver for to go so many places Mm -hmm. so because a lot of the younger couples families couldn't afford to pay like crazy amounts for you know a property they were moving out more to the edge where the demand wasn't as high so we were one of those so we were kind of on the edge of the amish community and so there was our our church district had lots and lots of young families and our bishop was young i think he was like 30 years old when he became a bishop Mm. and it was just shocking i guess to see him like so um just oh i don't know i don't i can't think of the word but just like um humbled or like just kind of not devastated but kind of mm-hmm. becoming bishop and then two weeks later it seemed like he had just like wrestled with it accepted it and he mm. stepped into that role and he was like full He's, steam i got the power okay because it, it was like from those two weeks seeing him when he became bishop to seeing him like the next like when he was actually leading out uh, the service, it was like, whoa. Like, mm-hmm. it seemed like he was just like, well, this is how it is. Double down, take charge, go for it. And he didn't look back since. And yeah. he did, like, he, it seemed like he was like, I'm going to do my job and I'm going to do it well. And so I don't know how much more you want to go into, but if we transition to um, when you guys, because this has a huge part in when you left yes. the church, his, yes. his power struggle and wanting to prove a point and you guys were made an example yes and so do you want to um talk about kind of how um how you guys uh, came across reformed theology ultimately decided to leave the church and then with this new bishop in in power quotes um what that has looked like for you guys yes um so after he was bishop for mm, i don't know a while maybe a year or so, we were at the council meeting church, you know, like before communion, and we left the council meeting church, and and I was like, man, he's like crazy strict compared to like the bishop that we had had before that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just kind of let everything go in one ear and out here, and out the other ear. And mind you, this whole time, there had been a lot of conflict in our marriage. Like we got married in 2016, and this was probably the fall of 2017. Um, we had a, had a lot of conflict in our marriage because, well, I didn't truly want to be Amish. I you was, weren't committed to the I, Amish part of I it. I wasn't. I was trying <laughs> to be. Turns out it was just for him. <laughs> Surprise. It was, and it was obvious, and he was upset about that. And it was there was just a lot of conflict. I mean, anytime you're married to someone and you don't have the same goals, obviously there's going to be conflict because yeah. you're meant to be one. And so 
just with all that, it got to the point where we didn't even talk about it. Like, because we just argued if we talked about it. So mm. we just avoided the subject. And I was praying this whole time that, and I was still reading my Bible, not really understanding that much at all. But, um, and I was praying that God would give me a heart of contentment if, you know, if we're to be honest the rest of our life. Like, please yeah. give me contentment. If not, then please show Dustin um, your will for our life. And I prayed that for probably four years from the time we became church members until we left. And so at that council meeting church, like he was, he was just saying some really crazy strict things. And I just kind of let everything go in one ear and out the other. My husband, however, like when we got out of that church, he was angry. And I remember, like, because we, the Amish sits, like, segregated. So, like, I hadn't, like, talked to him, you know, or anything. I'd get out to the buggy. Six hours, seven hours. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I get out to the buggy, and he is, like, steamed. And I'm like, what's your problem? You're the one that wants to be Amish. And he's like, this was, like, ridiculous, the things he was saying. You know, he was just really upset. And it was at that point that God started, like, pressing him. Who knew yeah. That God would use an extra strict bishop to, like, press us. Mm-hmm. There's just so many things that have, like, it, looking back, it's just mind-blowing. Like Providence, Providence, yes, Providence. over yeah. and over. Like, that we lived in that district. Yeah. And that he became a bishop. And that his strictness, like, pushed us to, or pushed, started pushing my husband. So, from that point, it, it wasn't an immediate change. But he was really frustrated. And... Moving on into the next spring, uh, there was another council meeting, communion. At that point, my husband had started, I think, reading scripture a little more. I'm not, I think at that point he had bought a cell phone. He rebelled. But you didn't know. No, right? I didn't know right away. He had bought a cell phone just out of like frustration and rebellion against like all these yeah. rules. <laughs> He's raging against the machine. It comes up every episode. We say raging against the machine. So Dustin is the one who's raging against the machine today. Yeah. Okay. So he went and got a cell phone. He ended up telling me, and he was expecting me to like. He told me he's like, I have something to tell you, and I was like, What? It's like scared, you know. And he's like, Oh, he got a cell phone. I was like, Oh. Can I have one? Can I have one too? What's <laughs> <laughs> your number so I can add you? <laughs> we had a home phone at this time. That's all we had before that. Just just a home phone. And not in our house. Yeah. In a little little mm-hmm. shack out close to the road with a voicemail. That's how we communicated. Or by snail mail. And so through him having a cell phone, he was watching YouTube. No idea how he came across it, but he came across Ray Comfort and evangelizing and so that was a first like exposure to really understanding the law and what the law means Mm -hmm. and then from i don't i'm not exactly sure which he saw first was it apologia studios or ray comfort Ooh, so that's the that's such an interesting bridge right because ray comfort is very much like have you ever told a lie Mm -hmm. so he's very like he's about setting it up with the mm-hmm. law first mm-hmm. and then he kind of gets you with the grace yes but then apologia studios are you familiar with them too like do you not so much, i mean yes ray comfort a little bit i'm more familiar with apologia studios but yeah i mean so they're really in the thick of it like yeah so that's like those are your hard those are some <laughs> of your like hardcore yeah mm-hmm. uh reformed uh, i don't even yeah. know that's what it took that's yeah. what it took okay so 
Apologies I'm excited to-, to hear next time as yeah. we continue in our next episode how that shaped. I know that there were some really um, funny responses from you in some of this, and I'm excited because I know some of the responses, but I don't know the conversation between those, how you knew the difference in like being an Arminian, being a Calvinist, mm-hmm. like all of these things. Okay. Um, and yeah, like I'm excited to hear more. Yeah, so we'll do, we'll have you back and we'll do another episode starting with the reformed chapter of your life and we'll ask you some more questions. All right, thank you. Thanks.